you know, someone else might not even know, you know, that they're making you mad, that they're petting your peeve, you know? So... (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's... Like, a a peeve is a fivey creature, and they're just nestling, like, nuzzling and petting the peeve. Stop petting my peeve! Just a one-fourth CR peeve, and you're just petting it. (laughs) Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. I'm David. And this is a podcast about tabletop RPGs, game design, and advice for all game masters. This is episode 68, Pat Peeves. Oh, it's Jake, like what, what's a peeve? And why I'm are we using this old terminal? You call me old-fashioned. Pe- where, where, where I really like the word peeve. peeve. Okay, I, I, I have looked up the definition. Uh, it is annoyed or irritated. Something that provokes annoyance or irritation. Okay, so it's like a, like so a okay. social chafe. Makes sense. Yeah, a social chafe. That's actually in the uh, synonyms. There's yeah. vex, bother, displease, provoke, upset, exasperate, gall, irk, peak, disgruntle, bait, goad, needle, or ruffle. This guy. <laughs> this guy's got a dictionary. <laughs> so okay, pet peeves are uh, things that um, are usually specific to a certain person in this case we're talking about the dungeon master um we've all played at different tables uh we've all hosted different tables um so these are kind of just like the quirks of what a dungeon master likes or dislikes what they lean into what they avoid um so yeah they tend to be just like quirks of a table so without further ado you guys want to dive in let's dive all right. So I'll start with one. Let's do, uh, basically, I do one. One of you guys does one. The other just kind of go in a rotating circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like a door? N- no. Like no. A, like a... <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> All right. Um, like a carousel? Like a... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, That'll okay, do. Okay, okay. That'll do. Okay. So oh, yes. the, let the carousel... Begin. So my first one is one that uh, listeners of this podcast will be quite familiar with. Is my pet peeve is when a player's voice and their character's voice are exactly the same. Oh, this I is... okay. I I know I know it was in the hot takes episode, mm-hmm. but I like when there is just even even slight differentiation between a player talking. And a character talking. Um, I, I am actually in a group right now that they do something different when they're kind of like metagaming or like talking, like table talk. Um, they put their hands up to their forehead, like palm facing out. like, <laughs> okay. like uh, And they just do that and then talk. And it's like, okay, this is what's like now we're talking out of character or like now I'm talking out of character. Um, and it was really interesting to me. I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. That, that, that works just as well, but it'd be way more easier if your character was doing like either a slight drawl or a different accent or a higher pitch or a lower pitch or a stutter or whatever, because then when you're not doing that, it's obvious that you are talking out of character and you are talking as the player at the table, not the character in the world. Um, 
and I mean, I can point to a million different examples of this working exceptionally in like, uh, you know, like critical role and stuff like that, where like you'll hear a player uh, talk out of character and you'll almost be like, what the heck? Who's this new person? <laughs> and you'll, you'll realize that they're so good at role playing that like their out of character voice is just so different that, and I mean, obviously that's the dream. We talk about it all the time, but, but like in general, it's so easy to have this little differentiation between you as a player and you as a character. And so for me, that's my pet peeve. And mm. I encourage players, even the newest, even the youngest, even the most, I just say, okay, your character has to sound just slightly different than your normal talking voice. Now, I Jake, mean, <clears throat> let's let's say hypothetically speaking, I was a player in your game, and let's already say, beat it. <laughs> <laughs> let's say I um, was part of a witness protection program, so my whole life is playing a character of a different person. Okay, would then I make that different exempt? person not David. <laughs> That's fine. That's would I be solution. exempt from this? <laughs> no, uh, like the bottom line is, I need. I have games that are so like in depth character wise that like they're like dinner a dinner party scene where characters are talking amongst each other, and then like I need to know when a when a player looks at me and talks to me are they talking to me like hey dungeon master what does the table look like or are they in character being like i what's the table look like like i need to know because that helps me to differentiate the table talk from the character in the party i see okay so like fundamentally in the context of a story heavy game the kind that jake runs this is actually a pretty darn important thing and it's not that hard to change your voice. Even if you're like stuttering or like you just like grumble now. Oh, just this deeper. is my adventuring yeah. voice. Like just, just put, in, yeah. put in the bare minimum, you know? Uh-huh. This is not a personal peeve of mine. I really couldn't care less if you do a voice or not. To me, it's like a bonus if you do. Um, but yeah, it's not that hard. You don't have to be able to like craft perfect British accents on the drop of a hat or something like that. Like that. Oh, that, yeah. that was hardly perfect, but thank you. <laughs> no, so I found that this is also a good, weird, like like barrier to entry for players that are playing at my table. I, if someone goes, oh, I don't know if I'm comfortable with changing my voice in any way at all. Then I go, okay, you're not going to have a good time in my character-driven campaign. <laughs> like, it is a good barrier to entry of, like, yeah, if if you're not willing to change your voice a tiny bit to play your, like, like uh, grumbly orc, then, I mean, you're not, you're not going to have a good time at our various dinner parties that are sure to happen, right? Like, yeah. um, it, it is, for me, weirdly, that, I mean, that, that feels bad to say, but it is like a barrier to entry for me, for my types of character-driven, story-driven games. Yeah, I see that. Um, for my peeve, uh, this is going to get a little, uh, this is about to blow this episode wide open. I'm going to skip down to my, to my th- third point here. Um, people who are constantly preparing to play D&D, but never play. Um, I've got a real soapbox. Wait, are those good on. or bad? This, this is bad. Um, there is a, um, this is, how do I even say this? Almost like a cultural habit or even a bad habit that a lot of people have of like just acquiring information constantly and never doing anything with it. 
um, watching Matt Colville, listening to us, whatever. Um, and my, my advice really is you already know everything you need to know to start playing. Yeah. Like that, yeah. the barrier for most people is not knowledge. Um, it's yep. finding a group, finding a night and just making yeah. it happen. Um, ending a coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Any year except 2020 is, um, is a lot easier to start a no, D&D game. hundred percent agree. There, there is no like, oh, if only I knew enough to dungeon master, if only I knew enough to, no, it, it's, it's just a group committing to a game night. That's it. Just make it happen. And yeah. I see people who, um, it's almost like a kind of social analysis paralysis or, or not even social. It's just a D and D paralysis of like, you never feel like you're ready. And you know what? If you could, you could read every book about basketball ever written and you will not be good at basketball. Like you have to just start playing basketball. Dribble the ball. Yeah. yeah. Like just start. And, um, and I see this in every D and D community. I see it on Twitter. I see it oh in YouTube my comments. Gosh. It's a pet peeve of mine, dude. You are so right. I, I was thinking this in regards to players, like you being wary of players who are like obsessed with the meta of 5e or like just like constantly reading stuff. But no, this is a problem in the community. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, yeah, 2020 coronavirus, uh, all sorts of, you know, that on top of the so- social stigma and, you know, uh, all, all sorts of problems. But man, there there is an abundance of people who are obsessed with theorizing how to Dungeon Master <laughs> when yeah. they probably, I would say about half of them have probably never Dungeon Mastered. Oh, yeah. it's, it's It can be a spectator sport. And I understand some people are just... Like maybe they don't even have an intention to play, but for the ones who are like, oh, I just maybe if I buy this product, I get this box set, I I read this thing, I watch this video, then I'll be ready. Um, but I would call that procrastination, and you just need to fucking do it. Yeah. Yep. I I, I think hundred um, percent. There's a, there's a really good quote from a guy I like. Um, he's really smart. And... <laughs> <laughs> so, Tony and Danza. And it's uh, <laughs> and it's just do it. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. That's pretty deep. I, I, I agree with that hundred percent. I I was thinking that uh that you were kind of going to point that towards the players, but no, that is pointed directly at the community. It's like there is this weird, yeah, I don't know, analysis paralysis, social paralysis. Just hey guys, I've like I've seen so many so many Reddit posts of like guys being like. Oh, okay, here's my encounter. I'm worried about it. Like, oh, how are my players going to... They'd be like, okay, how'd it go last session? Like, I've never played before. <laughs> and it's like, it's so... Like, it's a bummer. It's like, man, like, play, 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 I mean, play. And dribble I, the basketball. I, and I think I think a lot of it has to do with, like, uh, the, the media and resources that are, are out there. It's really, like... Um, consumeristic like driven as in like oh if you know if you have this you know if you have my new expansion module that has all these new races you'll be having you know the time of your life and it's like yep it'll change everything it really um like they they try to market it as like um like you just need this one thing and then your game will be perfect and right and 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 you can blame consumerism to a point it's um, sure, exactly, yeah. But but I, I think, think ultimately mm-hmm. it comes down to personal responsibility. Like I exactly. ran the best yeah. campaign out of my of my life out of two books that cost a total of thirty dollars, and nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah. And you could have that, like just and, and will you could have that. Being honest, you did do a lot of those sessions like out of commitment. You're like, I don't know if I'm gonna have fun this time, yeah. but you did it, and you did have fun. 
Just do it. Yeah. It's you have to put yourself out there, man. Like during coronavirus, like I've gone to like digital meetings and stuff with like different, you know, various organizations I'm a part of. And like every time, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to put myself out there. Like, uh, geez, do I have to clean up my room to put my Zoom camera on, whatever. And every time I, I like I've never regretted it. Yeah. And so and that that's with you know these extreme circumstances it's it's even easier when you're in a room with your friends yeah like oh yeah so just the, to summarize and i this is sort of the the mantra i've started to live my life by you already know everything you need to know to just do it anyway, yeah there's David, no secret yeah. what is your first peeve oh i think people who don't have the same in-game investment level as me oh yeah yeah so like if i'm like yeah let's let's you know let's let's take this game seriously and you know do this and then someone at the table is like half interested or like on their phone or like you know constantly doing you know side chats obviously less interested yeah i i like what you said of like not it being oh people uh being not interested it's it's no it's people not being at the same interest level yeah because i've played great games where people are on their phones you know their girlfriend is sitting on their lap everyone's distracted but it was still a great fun game because it was just low stakes yeah everyone was paying just enough attention and it worked because everyone was on the same page mm, yeah everyone has right? kind of the same commitment or interest level but yeah. then like it's, it's like just enough to keep you around the same table and that's fine but yeah, it has to be high. the same i kind of liken it to like a group project and then someone <laughs> isn't doing any of the work yeah. and you're just like you're, you're just kind of like dragging this guy along and it's like i kind of wish you weren't here because you're not you know contributing anything and i yeah. guess that's hmm. my my one of my pet peeves i see that because that really goes like across the whole spectrum of player interest like whether you have, let's say, a a beer and pretzels dungeon dive and you've yeah. got a bunch of players, like Jake's saying, with a girlfriend on a lap, there's like a TV on in the background, players are kind of half paying attention and really having a great time. Uh-huh. And that one guy who's there to strategize and like oh, take yeah, it and very it seriously, seriously yeah. like he's going to have a bad time and yeah. it, and reverse the role. the same thing. Like if there's a beer, beer and pretzels guy who's on his phone and just wants to watch the game. He's going to have a bad time. Or rather, everyone else is going to have a bad time because of him or, or her. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about this later. And we've talked about this a lot bit about communication and how that mm-hmm. just being on the same page of like, hey, what kind of game do you want? What kind of game we're going to do? And what kind of game does it end up being like every week? Because those should be the same thing. Yeah. That's great. Um, so my my next one is players not liking failure. Um, and I think I am the perfect uh, representative for this because I come from 5e. I played a huge amount of 5e. Um, and 5e has bred a type of, of player that loves to succeed mm-hmm. and loves to have this. Basically, I, I've heard 5e described as medieval superhero games. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's fine. Um, but so, so I usually, when I get a new group, I will, I will start them off in kind of a very standard fantasy trope heavy universe, uh, and we'll do a very standard campaign that's more on the rails Then the next one will be way more open. The next one, way more open. Obviously I open up, I open it up from there. 
Um, but the players that have stuck out um, in my past campaigns, uh, as the ones that have clashed most with everyone else, were the ones who wanted to stay in that more heroic, easy fantasy, like power fantasy mode. Hmm. And when it would get hard, when there would be like real tragedies, threats, losses, like deadly encounters, like an NPC would die, you know, at the worst part, like a player would die. They were just like, not okay with that. And th- and this is so hard because a lot of times, it, like how much trauma is a player dying supposed to cause? And like how much like a player being constantly like knocked on their ass and, and being down, basically doing death saving throws the entire encounter. Like, like I, I understand that's not fun to a lot of people, but there has to be this level of acceptance of threats, losses, failures, like victory is not ensured. That kind of mindset has to be required for my modern games, for modern games, my, my newer games. And, um, this is the, ex- hard. this is the exact thing that put me into the open arms of the OSR where ah. f- failure is, um, it's it's sort of like a, I don't know what you say, an, a, an old friend, like the threat of death and pain, for an, like so David can speak to this. He played in my game, um, comparing like the super heroics of a five E game where everybody's got all these really cool powers and spells and whatnot, compared to this, <laughs> um, initially at least very low level fantasy where you have got like a crappy sword and barely armor. Um, so, so David, let's can you speak to that like. Uh-huh. How do you feel about the differences between these two extremes in your experience? Um, I mean, they're very different games. Like, I'll be mm-hmm. honest. Like, they're very... I think once you kind of come to terms with... Yeah, these characters are probably going to die on, the, like, the first time we go into the dungeon. It's... Ironic distance. You kind of... You kind of um, get over that fact. Hmm. And I think, I think a lot of it... Um, has to do with like player expectations and because we'll set it up as a more like deadly game and that was all like known up front like it, it kind of became okay because it's like a known part of the world and i guess like maybe because some players aren't okay with you know changing or defying the uh, expectations of like jake's world for example they're like oh this isn't supposed to happen we're just supposed to you know kill the evil bad guy and just be happy I guess. Hmm. Yeah. So what you were saying, David, I, I don't know that the few games I have played like dungeon crawl classics. Yes. <laughs> oh I felt God. like the whole thing of like being like, Oh, we're all, we could die at any moment. Just leads into comedy. <laughs> like it leads into like, Oh, okay. Life doesn't matter. So therefore I'm going to throw my bag of chickens and bag of flour at this person and say, Hey, I'm going to be KFC and put oil on it. Sure. Like, yeah. Maybe and, for the first session, but once you've been like gone, sure. You know, yeah, and you've shot. invested into a character and he's for like sure. level five, so, it's but, like, okay. Oh, I really don't want to lose that guy. So a hundred percent. And I guess I haven't experienced death in your guys's game, sure. but the games I have played with you guys has seemed like your characters are more powerful than five E characters. Oh, for sure. They were which like level weird. Essentially, they were the max level for that game, which is sort of like a yeah tenth level hero in five e. Yeah, well, which is yeah. So, 
so yeah, I don't know. There is this, um, and again, this this leads to the. It really is a hard conversation you want to have with your players and yourself because I have found um, a while ago I did a campaign where I basically made every encounter deadly, hmm. but every time it got like really bad, like several players are down, I would just fudge your dice rolls to make all of the, the monsters miss and they would hmm. barely get out alive every time. Wow. And I felt like crap because they loved it. <laughs> right? And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like me doing this thing of like, oh, you know, making everything super deadly, but everyone barely getting out alive. It made every single encounter feel like an amazing action movie. Hmm. But like, I felt grosser because it was like pure manipulation. <laughs> And yeah. like it, it was, it was very interesting, and so I have gone completely in the opposite direction with my new campaign, um, and I have been like rolling like openly on the table or whatever, and be like, okay, th- this is it, like, and and I've I've told my players, and they have all agreed that we've had a ton of communication, like, hey, you could die, like, to a fight with goblins, like, this is I'm going to roll everything, I'm not going to fudge a single roll the whole campaign. Hmm. And it has been a different game. And it has made... Uh, I, I've seen in that campaign where I was fudging dice rolls but making everything super deadly to make the players just barely scrape by every time. They had more fun, but I had less fun. Hmm. And so now I've been just literally playing it and it, it's almost more like gambling. <laughs> and I feel like my players are having an equal amount of fun, but I'm having more fun with this wow. like, oh my god, is this goblin going to kill <laughs> and and it's it's been wild to see the difference um so i think again yeah my pet peeve of like players not liking that i I am again so lucky my my current group uh has accepted that like i've said like hey i want to be upfront with everyone like i'm going to not fudge anything this time around and it's it's gonna be may the dice roll as they may and they're like hell yeah this is gonna be awesome that's so that's um, good. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I'm pumped to to go through this. But I think my pet peeve is um, seeing a player who's like, oh, yeah, let's go on an adventure. And then whenever they, they hit uh, hardship, they're like, uh, like, <laughs> they're like really upset. They're like, no, I should be slaughtering. And I think that comes from, I think I might have blamed 5e too much. I think that comes from video games more than anything. Yep, I agree with that. Um, yeah. And actually, just even the term adventure, um, when I think of adventure in real life, um, it's because <laughs> adventure is when things go wrong and, and you learn how resilient you are. Like when you're yes. on a road trip and you run out of gas like six miles from the yes. gas station, that's an adventure because now you're going to learn who your friends are and, and, <laughs> and who you are. David, when we hike into a wildfire. True. That's an adventure. True. That's <laughs> right. Adventure is when things go wrong. And I think this is why people like camping. It's because there's all yeah. kinds of things that go wrong. And you actually have a little little taste of adventure that weekend, you know? Yes. It, and and like that's that's the joy of camping, hiking, whatever, is it puts our human brain in the perspective, in, in a scenario where things can go wrong Mm -hmm. and that never happens in most people's lives 
Hmm. Like the worst thing that can happen for me, like in my daily life, when I'm, you know, editing a podcast, when I'm typing out a script, when I'm reading for research, like the worst thing that could go wrong is like my internet going out. <laughs> there, like that is the biggest inconvenience. Like there's no chance of like, you know, a lightning strike. And, and so, yeah, that's what adventure is, is, is going into an unknown place where things are more likely to go wrong. And be like, I want to have players in my games that are like, when things go wrong, when I go, uh oh, the exit is blocked. Like they go, <laughs> oh man. They don't go like, God, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is where the fun begins. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I want players to be like, yes, this is okay. Now, like, I, like I'm excited about this. Let's let's try to figure out how to fix this because that's what an adventure is. It's fixing things when they go wrong. Yeah, to, I. Just preach it. Just preach it. Oh, baby. All right, Will, what's yours? All right, well, um, I've, I've already talked about this, um, I think, in the <laughs> the hot takes. Um, I'm still I'm still peeved about Watsi's labor-intensive adventures. Um, maybe to be a little more detailed than I was in that episode, um, Watsi just makes some of the best produced, but also the worst organized and least usable products um, that I've ever seen to the point where I've, I've literally stopped buying them. Um, mostly yeah. because I've, I've stopped playing 5e completely. Um, and, and also now because I, <laughs> cause I have a, a baby and I don't expect to be playing much D and D for, for at least, you know, the good little while. Um, yep. but I just think if you're going to spend money for a product, it should be ready to play when you buy it. And, um, there's a lot of really fun stuff in the, in the adventures. Don't get me wrong. Um, great art, um, it's sort of like, um, like Jake, we use the term, it's like a mine. You mine the adventure for content or, or maybe it's mm-hmm. the, the hopper into which you load all these ideas. Yeah. Um, but that takes time. Um, it's not ready to go when you take it off the shelf. Uh, and you can't skim it and be ready. Um, and I, I would just love to see, and, uh, just rehash again, <laughs> I would love to see just shorter little booklets. It's like, okay, like ABC, just follow these directions and you have a game to play tonight. Um, 100%. Yeah, and that, that's all. Oh man, I I cannot agree with you more. I mean, I think the problem with this is that it's not profitable, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and they don't want to follow in. I believe it was third editions or maybe fourth editions footsteps of like releasing a tiny booklet every week, oh, so my that gosh. there's like yeah, and and so like <sighs> I I understand their like profitability margins and stuff where they have to do like okay, this is our hardback property um but yeah i totally agree i found some of the most uh grist for the mill uh you know stuff for the hopper um you know mining stuff in (laughs) the smallest books that i pay like 2.99 for yep on like dm's guild or like even free stuff or even random tables oh my god some of the random tables and stuff and you just go down at the, the random tables whether it's a you know D twenty D ten D one hundred, and just pick out the best ones. That's you pick out true. three of those, and you have a full session. There's been yeah, times pretty... I've gone back and listened to old Vox Arcana episodes, and we do random table talk, and I've completely yeah. forgotten about whatever we created. And I'm like, actually, this is pretty good. This came off of like an official like Dungeon Master's Guide table. Um, yeah, like it's like I said on my last peeve, um, you have everything you need to play D anD D right yes. now. Yes. You're not missing anything. Like you're not one, 
you know, brain cell knocking together away from like the perfect. No, you have it all there. There's nothing like that you're going to input into your brain that's going to make your session perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, just do the session. Like, yeah, because, oh, oh, man, I think for me, discovering random tables was the first, like, like, what's it was a huge step for me because originally I thought, oh, oh, you're in the desert, roll a D100. Oh, you encounter a vampire. It just felt very hackneyed. Like, what the, this isn't. (laughs) <laughs> but then, like, when I used, like, when I learned to use random tables, it's like, okay, pick out the best stuff in here. You can put it in wherever. You can make your own random table of, like, a D4, mm-hmm. you know, and have the best stuff ready to go. Um, it made my, my campaign so much better. And I feel like my newest campaign has thrived from that, like, using random tables, using stuff that I found, like, re- like just get the best stuff from all of these little, you know, free adventurer guild things, uh, you know, $2 assets from Reddit, you know, from the, the DMs guild or whatever, um, a, a random, uh, table from an old, you know, 5e thing and just shoving it together. Um, oh, like that, that's, that's where the, the true good stuff comes out of. But like I said, or like you said, you got it all. You're ready. There's no stop waiting on some uh, magic, uh, <laughs> magic lightning bolt to strike. Like you're you're ready right now. Exactly, David. You got thoughts on yep. that? Just do it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. What's your peeve? <laughs> My peeve. Ooh. Um. When the adventure is on the rails. <laughs> okay. Oh. All right. Uh, I thought we were done with the hot take episode. <laughs> no, this is just a bad take episode. See, the thing is, Jake, the thing is, I know you like to railroad. You're, you're a little new conductor players, over new here. New players. You, you're just Mr. Conductor over here. New players. But for new players. <laughs> it's not an adventure if things don't go wrong and if things don't go off the rails. Oh. You can plan dude. things to go wrong, though, dude. Every train. Yeah, but you're still. If I can, if, if I can, good conductor. If I can see the rails, I'm not having a good time. That's true, so. though. That's true. Interesting. I am the exact opposite. I am like if so. A lot of my players have done one shots, and I can see the rails plain as day, <laughs> and I will gleefully strap myself in. Like it's a Disneyland roller coaster. Oh like, my God. Let's do this, baby. Because it like, like what, what are you going to do different? I guess one shots might be different, but like, I mean, strap yourself in, you know, I've heard the difference um, between um, these concepts. It's a safari versus a roller coaster. And a roller coaster is safe. It's thrilling. It's predictable. Um, and it's repeatable. Whereas a safari is is really, <laughs> it's an adventure. Things can go really wrong. And I think that for new players, railroads are where they're going to go because it's closer to all the things they're familiar with, which is TV shows, yeah. um, movies, books, yeah. uh, A, B, C, D, you know? Um, yeah, they're, and, they, they're more sightseeing. Yeah, and I don't blame them for that. Like Jake's saying, that can be fun. And if you're playing with a new GM and they're, like, they're, they're figuring out how to play, don't be like, oh, I want to, like, I had a player who did this a long time ago. Like, probably the second game I ever played in my life. I was the... I'm right here. I was a young age, <laughs> like, 21 or something. And I would lay out the rails, clear as day, beautiful and glistening in the sun. And he would say, <laughs> I, I go, go the other way. Yeah. I go the other way. 
Um, and it, it was so frustrating because I'm like, well, I don't, I don't have anything for you. And he just, I don't know if he was trying to push my buttons or if he just genuinely was repulsed by the thought of being controlled by anyone. Um, but yeah, like I think for starting out GMs, and maybe that's the thing is that there is a, a, a curve of, of expertise that's happening as, as GMs become more proficient uh, and sort of a comfort with allowing players to choose a path. Yes. I, I think it's a yeah. comfort with being uh, like a comfort with improv as a dungeon yeah. master yeah, yeah. Um, and a comfort with their world too. Because for me, I had done so much world building to the point of, you know, that's what are they called? Solo fun or whatever, where, mm-hmm. I, where I, had, I had so much ready. If they go North, I'm ready for it, baby. You know, like, <laughs> like that's, that's exciting for me. Um, but for a new player, if they're running, uh, what's the, what's the first 5e module? Fandelver. Yeah. Fandelver. They just go, I go to Waterdeep. It's like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's really antagonistic at that point. Exactly, and that's where I, I, and communication. I, and comes I think in. for me, where the the pet peeve comes in is like not having agency in games. Like, yeah, that feeling, the feeling of like, oh, nothing I do in this in this scenario will like change the outcome to be any different. Like, no matter what I do, like the bad guy is gonna you know do his like super power move and then knock okay. someone down okay. and then. Yeah. D- okay, uh, David, do you not like Naughty Dog games like Uncharted, Last of Us? Oh, he's not playing. Okay, them. I have I have a confession to make. I don't like playing like solo video games. Okay, well, I think that that proves it. Like, yeah, I don't know. You don't like storytelling, like a game where it, it says, "Listen up, bro, strap in." You're yeah. part of a story, and you can make some decisions, but in the end. You're strapped into the roller coaster. Yeah. Enjoy the ride, mm-hmm. and I can see how you wouldn't like those. But I, yeah, I, I love them. I, I'm not a big fan of those. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love and, them. and you know what? Some people really don't like single player games, and and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. totally fine. Absolutely. All right, but J- I like XP. Fallout, which is which is open world. But you know so. what? Fallout has a high level of player agency because it's an open world sandbox exactly. game. Mm-hmm. It does. Which is why. All I right. Like. All right. Um, my last one is a pretty standard one, a pet peeve that most dungeon masters have is canceling. Um, mm-hmm. this is just like okay. Um, I usually have a, a pretty high barrier to entry. I I've been known to <laughs> actually interrogate new players. Um, and I don't mean uh you know in a dungeon uh, with like chains or anything, but like I will message them. Could you do that though? If you if if I asked you to. I, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I for a price, dude. <laughs> but, like, um, I, I have been known to, like, be like, okay, this guy wants to join our group. And so I go, okay. Um, and I've, like, uh, invited them to, like, a private message, um, like, with the other guy. Um, and <laughs> this is my last character, or my last player that joined. And I just, like, berated him with, like, okay, there's a bartender who does this. What do you do? And, like, he said something back. Like, okay, then he does this. What do he do? And they did something back. And, like, we, did, like, did this, like, m- kind of minor D&D session. Um, and because it's it's good. I want to have this kind of, like, okay, I want the person who is joining our group, especially if it's an already formed group, to be committed to it, who is going oh, to yeah. commit to the bit, who is going to. That's not unreasonable. To, yeah, yeah. And, and so I want to have that little bit of barrier entry to be like, okay, are you committed to this? Um and there are people out there who are incredibly creative, who are incredibly good at improv, 
who are just astoundingly good D&D players who cannot string together two weeks in a row to play for the life of them. And that is so hard to hear. But there are people like that that just can't commit to playing. Um, And for, for me, it's every week. And, like, I really, that's important to me. I have to go, hey... I know there are type of, of players and, and groups who are like, hey, we're going to play once a month or we're going to play for two weeks. For me, it's incredibly important to be like, hey, listen up. Thursdays are D&D night or Tuesdays are the night. Ask off work. That is the night we play. Um, and it's tough to, to know that there are friends out there who may be perfect for that just can't commit mm-hmm. to a game. But but for me, like that yeah, pet peeve, it's just I, I need consistency and... I mean, if a player misses so many sessions in a row, it's time for, like, a real conversation of, like, hey, do you want to do this? Like, it's totally fine if you don't. I can get you into our weekend Warriors game where we, you know, just do fun one-shots every once in a while. But this is a a campaign. I want everyone here every week. Yeah, and I I think that's not an unfair expectation. Um, If you want to hear more about this, you can listen to our open table episode. Uh, that presents oh, yeah. a solution for this. Um, and I can say, I didn't say this in that episode, there was players who I thought would be my main, uh, like the, the, what do they say, the mast of the ship, like the main yes. players in the campaign, yeah. who turned out not to be. It was players I brought in later, yeah. like David, for instance, joined like session eight or something, um, who was there every single week. So um, yeah. yeah, that episode presents um It's wild solution. to like your expectations, yeah. Yeah, so just having... Yeah, having consistent players. Okay, for my peeve, my final peeve, um, is people using 5th edition for every imaginable genre. And I have a very specific oh. thing that pushed me over the edge. <laughs> you might say it was a, yeah. the uh, triggering event. Um, it was a, a product. It cost like two or three bucks on, on uh, DriveThruRPG. And it was a gay high school vampire dating game that uses 5e. <laughs> and <laughs> I I think I just closed the tab. (laughs) I was like, that's enough. (laughs) Oh my God. Why do you need armor class? Why do you need, I mean, maybe stealth, but why do you need, um, you know, what is the system doing for you in in this very specific? Why do you need weapon rules in a, in a high school, in a gay high school vampire dating game? Religion. What? (laughs) You'd probably be better um, stripping the game down to the studs. Or even using, get this, an entirely different system. Yeah. Oh. I don't think that's, it's, you know, here we are. Um, we've also talked a little and bit about. And now introducing my new cave vampire <laughs> title dating simulator. <laughs> At least use, like, use Fiasco for that. That sounds like a perfect, oh, perfect thing for that. Oh, perfect for Fiasco. I mean, this is perfect for just a D20 thing. Like, Right. It's a role-playing a single uh, dice. Or, or if you really need to, maybe even the the Star Wars Fantasy Flight game, and now uh, Genesis is the generic system. I don't know. There's so many things out there, but people feel like they can't yeah. make money if it doesn't say five E yep. on it. And that, they're, that, they're that, that's right. the truth. You have right. to you have to put five E into the into the SEO in order to get the clicks and get the. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is a weird byproduct of the success of D and D and. There will always be complaints, and they are all valid. That Five E is this this <clears throat> stupid monopoly, and it is. But it has been successful in a way that has blown up the genre to so many different people. But it is just sad to see 
people kind trying to like ride the coattails and be like, oh, this is my yeah, <laughs> vampire it's astrology who, simulator with people have 5e. have obviously no no interest in f- the the game that Five E creates for you. Like they're not gonna they're not they don't care about dungeons and monsters and dragons. Um, they care about like some very different idea, and yet they have to kind of cram it into the mold of Five E to make any money. And I yeah. hate that. I hate it. Too. Oh, I hate it too. Yeah, because there's a lot of really creative people out there, um, and there's not. <laughs> uh, role playing is a, a a niche of a niche. Like if you look at like board game players, oh, yeah. puzzles and board yeah. games, and then like as a subject section of just like I don't even know what as a subsection of, and then you have role playing games as a subsection, which is mostly Dungeons and Dragons, and then a subset of that is like anything that is not Pathfinder and NFIV. Like yeah, so I understand. I understand. David, final piece. <sighs> I think my final peeve is that I can't play D&D by myself. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You know what? <laughs> That's interesting because I, I really dislike most uh, uh, video games that try people. to model D&D. <laughs> and people. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like the Baldur's Gate game, I have absolutely no interest in playing. Same. Um, Dragon yeah. Age, I barely got through the first one barely i mean i did, I played like half the second one or less and then walked away i just for whatever reason i'm i'm not drawn to the video game version of that and so all, what does that leave you lonely fun G- gm prep yeah. blogs whatever yeah but I, I don't feel like anything constructive comes out of that like i like i don't know when you play a game i don't know it feels yeah i don't know i feel like there are constructive things to come out of the video or the the D and D that the weird what would you call that D and D cyberspace of like the blogosphere of D and D. I think there are good things that come out of it, but the diminishing returns are just insane. Like you playing a single game of D and D as a dungeon master is better than reading, I would say, two dozen different blogs. Oh, yeah. for sure, probably more. And, and for sure. And so it's like, yeah, there is this kind of solo fun. And again, we go back to like, oh, these people are having solo fun because they can't have an actual game, you know, an actual I know campaign going on. But. I've personally experienced something like this where it's um, like, so, so um, recently, as I alluded to in the last episode, my, my D&D game died for um, <laughs> for a number of reasons. <laughs> so when my D&D campaign suddenly ended, um, normally one of my favorite things to do, of course, is to acquire new ideas to load that hopper, whether it's from a blog uh-huh. or a book, um, just collecting ideas with the intention of utilizing them in my, my game. And when there's no game, there's no output, um, it becomes really pointless. And it felt really pointless of like, well, why am I bothering to learn a new, like a new rule set to kind of like, you know, modify whatever. Um, and so I think that playing D and D is, <laughs> The most important thing you can do to remain interested yes. in D anD D. Yes, I do. Okay, so Will, before you started playing that campaign, which is what a year and a half ago or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I remember you like sending me stuff and this vibe of like you felt <laughs> it felt like you had creative blue balls, blue balls. for D anD D for sure. Like like for you sure. were just like, oh my gosh, I want to do this, I want to do this, and I'm sitting there playing D anD D like twice a week. And I am being like, this is, yeah, that sounds great. Do it. Like, that sounds great. Do it. (laughs) 
and like and, and it, it was because like i was just in the the, the trenches of playing D all the time um mm-hmm. and so yeah to see you finally dive into that game and, and be like oh i found i found it like this mm-hmm. system works this is amazing this is what i want low prep interesting lore the players collaborate with me across the weeks like yeah it was a delight to see but like in the end it is just doing it and i mean we, we've harped on this all over and over across our entire <laughs> yeah. catalog of episodes it is play dd play yeah. role-playing games play, like have a game night like getting even more and more vague like have friends that come over every <laughs> <Have> friends <laughs> week at this day and make it like a ritual because mm-hmm. like that is that is the important thing and there's all this solo fun and that's what the internet is the internet is solo fun it's like oh yeah. what if i did this oh this twitter feed could lead to so many different fun things and oh this this could lead to this and this oh this is great i could add this to this oh what if i implemented this but at the end like in the end it is what are you going to implement into your real life which is your interaction with the people you love and the interaction with the people that you interact with every day. Like that is what really fulfills you. And, and so, yeah, like, like seeing you go from like, Oh my gosh, I want to try this out. Oh my God. And then like seeing you be like, Jake, Oh my God, you'll never believe what my players did. Like it was like (laughs) you just being fulfilled. Um, And so, yeah, at the end of the day, it is just like pull the trigger, make the commitment say every monday night we do this you know couldn't agree more so i guess what do you guys think we can do to like minimize or avoid pet peeves not necessarily our own but just like in general of like little things that can annoy dungeon masters what can we do to uh avoid those little i i can see it with all of us like a player does something and you see you can go (laughs) "Ah," like like what what do we do to avoid those little (laughs) interactions Call me old fashioned, but communication is key. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, all right. So, I mean, really, like, ask the players what kind of game they want to play. If they want to play this high lethality, very dangerous game, which uh, I can make some recommendations, I'll just make them right now. Play 5e hardcore mode, look it up on DriveThruRPG, it's $5, yeah. or play uh, Five Torches Deep which is another sort of like a more lethal version of 5e. Once again, 5e hardcore mode, five torches deep. Yep. Figure out what they want to play and just play it and be honest and and encourage your players to be honest. If you're, <laughs> we talked about handholds and, and tropes in the last episode. Um, whatever your players want to grab onto, just put it there for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it comes down to like, you know, making your expectations known to other people mm-hmm. because a lot of like, pet peeves from what i've seen are it's like built up resentment that isn't oh, really expressed yes. so oh, if you're not yeah if you're if you're not you know vocalizing your frustrations or your expectations then you know someone else might not even know you know that they're making you mad that they're petting your peeve you know so <laughs> <laughs> like it's like a, a peeve is a fivey creature, and they're just nestling, like nuzzling, and petting the peeve. Stop petting my peeve! Just a one fourth cr peeve, and you're just petting it. 
but but uh, like on a serious note like I, I yeah i think you know communicating expectations and yeah just let yeah and i think in in some situations you know maybe moving in a different direction might be the best option so for example like you have a player who wants to join but they're not going to be able to can be consistent with their with um, their schedule if you know that to be true you know maybe having the hard conversation up front of saying like look i need someone who's going to be able to commit to my game and if you can't like uh, you know maybe we'll have to do things you know like on the you know you know you can join my weekend warriors game occasionally mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and i think having the you know being up front and then that way you don't have any sort of resentment for them when they when they when you know you know they eventually inevitably cancel or you know don't show up or you know whatever and that way you know you don't have to deal with the hassle later on and just yeah being more upfront with uh, what you want is going to save you a lot of trouble yes communication dude i, I like, think it really solves so many problems yeah and one thing that's really weird is um the whole thing of like what are your expectations which are obvious for all of us because they're internal but to reveal your expectations mm. to someone else um i had this weird experience we went on vacation with my with my uh my brother and, and my mom and dad just uh we went to visit my grandma for the first time in oklahoma from california and we were on this drive, and we had never been there. And my dad asked, he's like, what do you think it's going to be like? And we all had been, like, like anticipating this this uh, trip for so long, and we had never been there. And mm-hmm. so he was like, no, 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 seriously, what do you think it'll be like? Tell me what you imagine the house looks like. And so we, we told all these things, and all of our, all of our expectations were different. Mm-hmm. And it was wild to see that. And then arrive. And so all of our expectations kind of like immediately, you know, were, were hit with reality. Their, yeah. um, but it, it was really interesting to see all of our, you know, like one of us is really focused on the lake. The other one was really focused on um, this this uh, room that had all a bunch of like old historic stuff from my grandpa in World War Two. You know, like everyone's focused on a different thing. And... All of us had different expectations that were, you know, immediately smashed into reality and it it was awesome. But no one does, like, people don't do that very often of like, hey, no, legitimately, what are you expecting from this D&D campaign? Like, like, what do you want from this? What do you expect this to be like? Like, what do you think the high points will be? What do you, and getting those legitimate responses, which again, feel like over communication, but over communication is so much better the non-communication um getting those responses is is insanely helpful for like seeing what the players truly expect and deep down what they truly want out of like yeah. a campaign man yep it's great stuff jake well, i'm ready well, to jump right into the vault well let's uh stop petting those peeves and let's head into the question <laughs> vault Welcome to the question vault. This week's question is from Sandra. She asks, what are some ways of becoming a more commanding presence at the D&D table? I went from being the shy girl to the dungeon master and sometimes have problems reigning in very active players. Any tips, tricks, or advice? So this is like going into what we were talking about, like being very intentional about being like, oh, what are your expectations? Like really pushing 
it, this is so hard. It really just takes the awkward thing of like, hey, guys, so-and-so is talking. Or, hey, this is important for the plot. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like the more you do that, it just takes repetition. And people, I don't know, because so much of being a dungeon master has this weird inherent presence and like what that means and a lot of people think like oh it has to be like this commanding charismatic you know but it's like no it it's something different but there is a certain skill of being like hey 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 this is important here Hmm. and and being Um, able to just like like reach out and do that i think is important um so I started a job about a year ago um, where I facilitate groups for a variety of different people. And I learned that the skill set that a GM has and the skill set of a group facilitator slash presenter are almost identical. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> almost identical. And I was delighted to see that this silly hobby of mine where we uh, pretend to be elves uh, has <laughs> really useful application in uh, in the marketplace. So, Uh, My advice for Sandra is, um, I I guess in a vague way, look up any resource about being an authoritative facilitator slash uh, presenter or whatever. Uh, This is going to be probably a lot of self-help stuff, but it comes down to just like basically looking people in the face, saying their name, um, knowing when to stop the dumb side conversation about could the Millennium Falcon beat the uh, USS Enterprise in a race at light speed. Which it could not. Obviously, (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's just it's really knowing when to step in. And um, as for being shy, I think that anybody can facilitate and anybody can GM. It comes down to sort of like getting the respect to your players. And if you have players who are frequently just like causing side conversations, this comes back to communication and and taking them aside and saying, like, hey, look, like I'm I'm not comfortable talking over you or maybe like you I, I happen to know somebody with a very 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 loud voice um that i cannot possibly speak over um that might you you may be in a similar situation but pulling them aside and saying like hey look like when i need to, to get you back on track um just please please obey in a way i mean like i don't know it comes out of communication yeah and i think that the dungeon master role has a pretty powerful mantle like that comes with it right like even if you're shy the fact that you went from being a shy girl at a dnd group to the dungeon master of the dnd group like i don't know the other circumstances but like that proves that they have some obvious trust in you and, mm-hmm. and some like like obvious like you already have a presence because the dungeon master is is oftentimes like that like that is not a mantle that is worn lightly like that is something you're like okay um rarely do D D groups succeed we're like all right let's just roll a dice to see who the dm is mm-hmm. <laughs> most <laughs> most of the uh the most successful um and, and longest running groups are the one where like there there is an intentionality to picking um the dungeon master and it seems like you are like in that position for a reason so um it's like you are the chosen one oh no okay. <laughs> the trope of the chosen the trope one. strikes again <laughs> get your get your drinks ready <laughs> but, but 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 i would say sandra um to, to really um you don't need to have a commanding presence uh, of what you worded in the question but to have a um just a presence and an intentionality of being like hey if, if the crazy active players are 
if they're going nuts in a good role-playing way, let them go nuts, right? Like, let the, the crazy bard and the crazy rogue have their great time and sing their silly song. But in the end, be like, all right, let's get back, right? Like, um, and, and just be intentional and honest and use communication and all of these sound like trite. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, we've heard these a million times. Um, and like Will said, like those, uh, what was the... Oh, uh, facilitators? Yeah, facilitators of, yeah, like like advice for facilitators of small groups. Like all of that advice is going to sound like, oh, I've heard this before, but really take it to heart. And In stand the... up a lot. <laughs> That's my tip. Actually, stand up. yeah. Standing up helps a lot. Shout and... really loudly and <laughs> slam your fist on the table. Hey. No, keep, keep this in mind too, Sandra. The more you play and the more you are the dungeon master, the easier it gets. It does not get harder. Retweet. Yeah. All right. You can also carry a loaded gun. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he points it. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Min Maxer. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Vox Arcana, episode 68. I'm William. I'm Jake. And I'm David. We'll see you next time.